Thank you, Amber. I love the way you play. Good morning, church. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. I'm sorry, Linda, this is a little off kilter. There. Um, some morning announcements. We have a guest preacher, Kevin Millard, who is an AIT missionary from Brazil. He had the longest commute ever. In the back, moms and dads, we have some resources for your children. We have uh, some sheets to help them follow along with the service. And uh, I recommend you grab these. You, you can even get up anytime early, but this will help your kids track with what's going on. I think I'll use them today. There is youth choir practice directly after church. And let's see what else we got going that I need to highlight. Oh, please, please, please come to the Fall Fellowship at the Nelson's Reformation Farm. It, um, it's a blessing to be there. Great family. I'm sure there will be some good food. I think there's a cookie contest and hay rides. So bring your inner child and have fun there. The scripture reading this morning is <clears throat> from John chapter 4, Jesus and the women of Samaria. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria, so he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whosoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying you have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. <clears throat> what you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place that we ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. 
You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said unto her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking to, with the woman, but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say, there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans <clears throat> from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Join me in prayer, please. Father in heaven, I thank you that you have given us another day of life, that you've given us freedom to come here to worship you in spirit and in truth, that you have opened our eyes just like the woman at the well. You've redeemed our sorry souls and granted us life. I pray for any unconverted here that you would save them even today. Watch over our preacher today. Give him complete freedom, clarity of thought, and power of speech as he opens the word for us. Watch over our own pastor as he's on vacation. May he find rest and refreshment for his soul. We ask that you would guide us, fill us, and help us to worship you, for you truly are worthy of worship. Amen. Good morning. Let's take a hymn book and stand and turn to number 511. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. 511. Solid rock. My hope is built on nothing less.
The scripture reading for today will be from Psalms 128 and 129. Uh, Psalm 128 starts by proclaiming that blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. A good principle. Although we've probably seen prosperity preachers uh, take that to uh, strange extremes, like, oh, if I fear God enough, do this or that, I'll have money and prosperity. Uh, but it's a twisted concept of prosperity. There's a Jeremiah prophecy where he uses a sermon illustration of a belt that doesn't work anymore. And when the belt doesn't work anymore, the belt does not prosper because it, the, it doesn't prosper because it's not doing what it's made to do. Uh, a lot of my high school students have belts that do not prosper when their belts are down to their knees and I can see their underwear. That's, uh, but uh, <laughs> we are blessed and we prosper when we do what we're made to do. Uh, look there in verse 3. Uh, your wife will be like a fruitful vine. Uh, your children will be like olive shoots. And when we do what we're made to do uh, under God, we'll get married and have kids. Though there's so much Romans 1 suppression of the knowledge of God in today's world that a uh, typical person you'll find on the street or at UTC will not see marriage as a blessing and will not see uh, kids as a blessing, and they'll avoid that and uh, prefer uh, a video game or a dog or playing house and uh, all of that. And you don't need, uh, per se, the Bible to know that that makes sense because it's obvious. We're created that way. God built it in us. Uh, but there's all of these sociology studies. Oh, if you have the mother and father in the home, uh, that, and without that, there's all of these uh, issues. But when you d uh, don't love God, when you uh, have an enmity with God, uh, then it disorders uh, all of these other things. And, the, and no matter how much sociological evidence you'll have, uh, there, it's not going to be a priority. And when uh, you do, when you are regenerate and you love God and even have a revelation that marriage is this picture of Christ loving the church, uh, then there is this ordering and priorities and just do prospering by doing what we are made to do. And we'll actually see that these blessings, uh, we have so many blessings and olive shoots in our church, and we pray that uh, they would love God as well. well. Psalm 128, a song of ascents. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. Psalm 129, a song of ascents. Greatly have they afflicted me from my youth. Let Israel now say, Greatly have they afflicted me from my youth, yet they have not prevailed against me. The plowers plowed upon my back, they made long their furrows. The Lord is righteous, he has cut the cords of the wicked. May all who hate Zion be put to shame and turned backward. Let them be like the grass on the housetops, which withers before it grows up, with which the reaper does not fill his hand, nor the binder of sheaves his arms. Nor do those who pass by say, The blessing of the Lord be upon you, we bless you. 
in the name of the Lord. Heavenly Father, at this um, intersection between God's people loving God and singing to you and God's people waiting to hear the word of God and that tension of wanting to do both, uh, we also pray for our offering. You, uh, your son is worthy of worship from uh, all the nations and uh, will be glorified by worship from all the nations uh, when King Jesus returns. Uh, so, Heavenly Father, I pray that uh, you would guide us and use us uh, to learn about missions and uh, give. Uh, help us to be givers and prayers and, in some cases, even goers. This we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. take our hymn books and stand once more and let's uh, recite the responsive reading just ahead of number 288. So turn to 288, we'll do the, res the responsive reading and then go into right into one day. You'll re recite the bold of the responsive reading. Let's begin. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will, s then he will sit on the throne of his glory. 
know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself, just as he is pure. So this is the way the coming of the Son of Man will be. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore, be alert, since you do not know what day your Lord is coming.
Good morning. It's good to speak in English. I've been in Brazil for 22 years, and the last time I preached or taught in English has been almost three years ago, before the pandemic, when I was here in the United States. Um, my wife and I were in uh, Muscle Shoals, Alabama, and uh, we were uh, preparing to come back or return back to Brazil. We had been in the States, here in the States, for about three months, and uh, that's when the word about the virus was spreading around, and they were talking about closing the airports, and, and uh, we weren't sure we were going to get out. I think we were scheduled to fly on the 11th, and the airports started closing on the 12th, so we barely got in the air and on our way to Brazil before uh, things began to close, and, and uh, so it was during that time, before that time, was the last time I spoke or preached in English, so if you hear something sounds kind of strange, like a different language, it probably is. It's probably in Portuguese, which I speak uh, regularly every week. And uh, the only English I speak in, is mostly at home with my, my family, my wife and two children. And my wife is Brazilian, and we speak a mixture of English and Portuguese together, mix it all up. And then uh, my children speak to me in English. They speak to my wife in Portuguese, and I just kind of speak whatever comes out. So uh, we were in Albania, as I shared in this, the, the, the study hour, uh, we were in Albania for five years as well as missionaries, and so we, we even add a little Albanian language in with our Portuguese and English every once in a while. Uh, sometimes I'll, I'll write something to my, my wife. I'm sending her a message, and, and I'll include a word in English and Portuguese and Albanian in the same sentence. And only, only us can, we can only understand what we're saying. Nobody else knows what's going on. So if anything comes out that you're not sure what it was, if it, it doesn't sound like English, it probably wasn't. And... Uh, so, uh, but it's, it's a pleasure to be with you. I, I, you weren't on my schedule uh, about 10 days ago, and I was preparing for my trip, and I, I've, I'm going to be here for three weeks, and I've got different places I'm going to be, and I was coming, passing through Chattanooga because I arrived in Atlanta. I passed through Chattanooga to go to South Pittsburgh, Tennessee, where my brother lives, and uh, so I, gave, I received an email on Monday from Brother and Andy, and he said, uh, would you be willing to come and speak for us? And uh, he said, next Sunday, the 11th. And it just so happened to be this Sunday morning is the only Sunday morning I had not made a commitment to. And uh, so I said, well, let me pray about it. And in 24 hours, I said, yes, we'll, we can do that. And so we're here today. And so um, just to share briefly, I shared in the, in the Sunday school hour my testimony about how God brought me to where I am today. I've been serving in missions for almost 30 years uh, and out of the country most of that time, uh, I was, when I was born in Chattanooga, uh, I was born in Memorial Hospital and uh, spent my first few years here in Chattanooga. And then when I was about seven years old, uh, my father moved my, me and my three siblings and my, my mother to uh, New Orleans. New Orleans, uh, New, or New Orleans, I know it depends on where you're from, how you pronounce it to New Orleans, and we were there for uh, a couple years uh, where I learned to fight and cuss. And my, my, my mother said, we've got to get our kids out of here before. And so we moved back to Chattanooga. We were here for a couple years more. And then we moved back to the area where my parents are from, is Bridgeport, Alabama. My father was, is from Sand Mountain, uh, Bryan, Alabama. That's where he grew up. Um, but he and my mother both went to Bridgeport High School. My mom was from the valley. 
in a place called Hogjaw Valley. Yes, it exists if you haven't heard of it before. And uh, so we, we moved back to that area and uh, my dad built a house in Hogjaw Valley and that's where I was raised from about 12 years old up till when I graduated from high school and then went on to college. And so yes, I grew up hunting and fishing and uh, that was my, my, my favorite thing to do but besides play sports. I played sports at Bridgeport High School, played football. Uh, I remember in junior high when I was in the ninth grade, we played against Red Bank Junior High. I remember that game and, and uh, they were supposed to be the juniors, uh, the junior team as well. When, but when they came out on the field, I said, they've got some 10th graders in there. There's some big boys. And uh, we played and we lost, but uh, I was here in Red Bank uh, for that time. But that was, my life was, was football and, and, and basketball and sports and hunting and fishing. And God saved me at the age of 17. And I went to the University of North Alabama in Florence, Alabama. And that was there that God called me into the ministry. And uh, I, I shared in the Sunday school hour, I, I questioned with God. I said, God, are you sure what you're doing? Are you, are you calling the right person? Because I don't like to speak in front of people. I'm very shy. To give a two-minute speech was terrifying for me in high school. And so the Lord continued to, to speak to me and, and to put it on my heart that I want you to proclaim my truth. And finally I said, Lord, okay, yes, I'll do that. And um, so I committed to proclaim God's truth. And uh, whatever that meant, I wasn't sure. And then eventually uh, God uh, directed me to go to seminary in Memphis, Tennessee. And it was there that God called me into missions. I never considered being a missionary, but God um, spoke to my heart. That's what his will was for my life. That was his call was for my life. I shared the scripture from... Um, Proverbs 16.9, that a man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And my plans were to stay in the Hogjaw Valley and hunt and fish and be a game warden and get paid for it. But God has other plans when we obey him. And God may want you to go to Hogjaw Valley or somewhere else in the world and stay there the rest of your life, but be involved in what he wants you to do. His will for your life is the most important thing, whether it's here or whether it's down the street, whether it's on the other side of the river, or it's in South America or Africa or wherever. The best place to be for the Christian is in God's will, wherever that takes you. And if you're staying here, be involved in God's work, support God's work, do God's work. That's what he wants for us. And if we're not doing what God wants us to do, then we're out of his will. We're not being obedient to him. He wants obedience. And I learned that early on. Man plans his way, but God directs his steps and God will direct our steps as long as we're obedient to him and doing what he tells us to do and being involved in his work and that's kind of what the message is that I have for y'all today I don't know uh, God put this on my heart a few I guess it was a few years ago actually I had an outline of of the text and this message that I had prepared I mean just a rough few paragraphs and just kind of a mixture of stuff and and the Lord put on my heart that that's what he wanted me to share this morning so I Starting on about Thursday, about the day, the day I was the day before I was to travel from Brazil here, I wrote out some some more a more specific outline. In the last couple of days, uh, I've tried to put together something a little uh, greater, a little put a little more meat on the bones to to give us what God's message may be today. And I, I always tried to say, Lord, what whatever you want me to say, whatever needs to be heard by the people, you put that in my heart and my mind and help me to be sensitive to that. And keep me from saying things that I shouldn't say. A lot of pa pastors and, and preachers, they get in trouble by getting up and they just say whatever comes to their mind. And a lot of times it's not of God. 
And we've got to be sensitive to his voice and leadership of the Spirit. Father, I pray that you would guide us now uh, during this time, that you would prepare our hearts to hear from you, and you'd use my feebleness and my backwardness and and, uh, what little training you've given me, and uh, I just pray that you would help it to be a blessing to you, Lord God. Speak to our hearts. We desire to hear from you today. Use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 3, and we're going to read some verses here from 2 Timothy chapter 3 and and then the first few verses of chapter 4. So if you want to go ahead and open your Bible, I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. I grew up using the King James Version. I I, I memorized my Bible verses from the King James Version when I was younger and in college, and uh, but when I got to Brazil, I I was I had to teach English. Uh, I was taught some English classes there, and uh, King, King James English doesn't really do well when you're trying to teach people how to speak proper English. A lot of things, and so I went to the New King James, and uh, which helps out a little bit, and um, and that's that's the version I use. And I have my my travel Bible with me. It's been to many countries, many places around the world, and uh, that's what I'm most comfortable with. And that's what I'm going to be reading out of this morning. The title of my message is Words of Advice for a Successful Life and Ministry. Words of Advice for a Successful Life and Ministry. This past week, uh, my wife was listening to a recording of Elizabeth Elliot there in Brazil. And uh, she was speaking to a large group of women, and uh, she was telling them about letters that her mother used to write to her while she was in college. She said, every Sunday, my mother would sit down at the table, and she would write a letter to me, and she would send it to me. And she received those letters uh, with joy, and, and uh, God used those to encourage her during that time when she was at college. And I remember as well, when I was at the University of North Alabama, uh, that I was accustomed to receive letters from my mother and my grandmother, and I wrote a lot of letters myself. Now, today, we're not accustomed to that anymore. We don't hardly ever receive a letter or hardly ever write a letter. We might write an email or send a message through social media, and, uh, but letters were, were the, the main way of, of communication a few years ago and then especially during the time of the Apostle Paul. And so um, the Apostle Paul, he wrote a few letters himself, and a, a couple of them were addressed here to his dear son in the faith, Timothy. And uh, some of these letters were written uh, while Paul was in prison, and which was the, the, the case of his second epistle here uh, that he wrote to Timothy, uh, which uh, we have uh, in our Bibles. And in the introduction here in my in my. Uh, New King James Bible uh, that Paul wrote to Timothy uh, uh, in a letter to Timothy uh, there's an introduction and it reads accordingly just to give us a little more idea and background of, of the letter it says prison is the last place from which we ex- which to expect a letter of encouragement but that is where Paul's second letter to Timothy origin- originates He begins by assuring Timothy of his continued love and prayers and reminds him of his spiritual heritage and responsibilities. Timothy has Paul's 
example to guide him in God's word to fortify him as he faces growing opposition and growing opportunities in the last days. If you knew that your days on this earth were coming to a close, and they may be, we don't know. Proverbs says, boast not yourself of tomorrow because you know not what a day will bring forth. But if you knew that your days were coming to a close and you had one last letter to write or one last email to write, maybe in our day, to your loved ones, to your son or maybe to your daughter or granddaughter or to someone very dear to your own heart, what would you write? What would you say in your last words on this earth? What would you include in this letter. Well, the Apostle Paul, sensing that his departure from this earthly life was at hand, in which he says here in, in part of his letter, in verse number six of chapter four, he says, the time of my departure is at hand. And Paul, sensing that his departure from this earthly life was at hand, he leaves Timothy with some closing reminders some words of exhortation and warning so that Timothy might fulfill the ministry that God had called him to. So we see here in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 and following, and then in verse chapter 4, verses 1 to 5, some final thoughts and exhortations from Paul to Timothy. Let's read the text first and then we'll talk about the verses little by little. Beginning in verse number 10 of chapter 3 of 2 Timothy. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, Afflictions which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, in Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, or indeed, and all the all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete thoroughly equipped for every good work. Chapter 4, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. 
but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Five final thoughts or exhortations from Paul. First, verses 10 to 12, he said, Paul reminds Timothy of some things that he learned from Paul's life, from his life and his example. Looking again at verses 10 to 12. He says, but you have carefully followed my doctrine. You have carefully followed in the following words here, you have carefully followed my manner of life. So first of all, he says, you have followed my doctrine. You followed what I taught. You have followed my manner of life. You have followed the way that I lived. You have followed my purpose, what I lived for, which was to preach the gospel. You have followed my faith, what I believed and what I was willing to die for. You have followed my long-suffering, how I patiently waited on God. You have followed my love, how I loved God and how I loved others. You have patiently followed my perseverance, how I never quit, how I never gave up. You have followed my persecutions, or actually probably was a part of some of his persecutions, how I, ne- how I was attacked for the sake of the cross, for the sake of the gospel. You have followed my afflictions, verse 11, how I suffered for the sake of righteousness. And then in the last part of verse 11, he says, And yes, what persecutions I endured. And out of them all, the Lord deliver me. He said, yes, I, I suffered some things. I got some knots on my head, some stripes on my back some pain in my shoulders. I went through a lot. But you have seen my persecutions. But you have also seen how, out of all of them, the Lord delivered me. Then in verse 12, Paul emphasizes what Timothy and others who desire to live the God-centered life, those who desire to live the Christ-immersed life, what they should expect. Verse number 12, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Paul said that uh, it's coming. 
If you desire to live a godly life, if you desire to live a Christ-centered life, you can expect persecution. Paul was an example of that for Timothy. Timothy saw that firsthand. He heard about Paul's trials and sufferings that he went through, the persecution that he went through. And then Paul reminds him, Timothy, it's coming to those of you who continue to follow Christ, to continue to put him first and to proclaim his truth. So buckle your seatbelt. Get ready. But also remember that God will be with you. The God who delivered me out of all of the persecutions and trials that I went through is the same God who'll deliver you as you follow him. Remember that, that Timothy. Remember the things that you learned from my life. But then he tells Timothy, he said, uh, in a sense, that, that the worst is yet to come. Yeah, it was bad during my days and during my travels and my persecutions. Yeah, but listen, the worst is yet to come. Look at verse 13 again. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Evil men, those with bad intentions, those who are looking for ways to, to be divisive and cause division in the church of God. Impostors, false brethren, wolves in sheep's clothing. They're going to be worse and worse in the days to come. Paul warned Timothy about that. That those times of evil men and imposters rising up in the church and causing division, they're going to continue and it's just going to get worse. Paul warned also the Philippians about these kinds of men in Philippians chapter 3. In his last visit, the last meeting with the Philippian elders, he reminded them of the false brethren and impostors that would rise up from among themselves. Verses 17 to 19, Philippians chapter 3. He says, Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. In the book of Acts, chapter 20, when Paul reminded the elders of Ephesus about the wolves in sheep's clothing would arise during their day, Acts chapter 20, verses 8, 28 to 30. Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among, whom, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will arise speaking perverse things 
to draw away the disciples after themselves. So Paul warned Timothy and the other elders of the other churches, the worst is still yet to come. And today we still see that and more so day and day. We still, in our days, and the, the things to come are still going to get worse. And so again, we were reminded to buckle our seatbelts again. Buckle your seatbelt, Timothy. It's going to get worse in the days to come. But remember, God is with us. God will be with us. A third thing, going back to our text, that Paul shares with Timothy or exhorts Timothy is to continue in the knowledge and the instruction of the Scriptures, the Word of God. Look at verses 14 to 17 of chapter 3. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And from a childhood, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for, this, for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So the false teachers are going to get worse, but you, know, you must not be distracted, Paul's saying or lose focus on the main thing. But you must continue in the things which you learned and are have been assured of. Why? Because everything you need for yourself and for others is here in the Scriptures. It's here in the Word of God. And he reminds him of that, about the Scriptures. In verse 16, all Scriptures... All scripture is given by inspiration, breathed out by God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why? That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly furnished for every good work. Everything you need, Timothy, for now, for the days to come, for the church where your teaching is here in the Word of God. Everything you need to be a godly man, everything you need to be a godly woman, to be what God wants you to be, is found here in the Word of God. And Paul reminds Timothy that he needs to continue in the things that he learned, the things that Paul taught him, the things that he learned from his mother and from his grandmother that led to salvation, and then a continuation of teaching faithfully the Word of God. And fourthly, Paul charges Timothy, Paul commands Timothy to faithfully and fervently preach the Word of God. You have the Scriptures. They're profitable for everything you need and everything, everyone that you will, will be teaching what they need. 
to be complete, to be mature in Christ Jesus, but now you need to continually and faithfully preach the Word of God. And we see in our text in verse 1 of chapter 4, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. In verse 1, Paul uses the strongest form of exhortation, the strongest uh, words possible to to charge Timothy to faithfully preach God's word. He says that with God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son as his witness, as my witnesses, preach the word, Timothy, all times and in all seasons. Preach the word. There is no closed season for the word of God. There are some closed seasons for hunting sometimes or maybe for fishing. But God's word never comes to a moment where it's closed or be discarded or to put, be put aside. The time will come, Paul tells Timothy, when they don't want the truth anymore. Verses 3 and 4. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires... Because they have itching ears, ears to hear other things, they will heap up for themselves teachers. How many pastors are often voted out of churches for preaching the word of God? Because it stirs the people's hearts. It makes them feel uncomfortable. So instead of staying put and dealing with their sinful life or what God wants to talk to them about or lead them to do, They want to get rid of the man of God who's telling them the truth. It happened in my church in Southwoods Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee. My pastor, he began to preach on holiness. And I had preached on holiness in that church as a seminary student. I preached my sermon. I remembered it. Called unto holiness. And there was uh, a group of ladies that came up to the pastor afterwards. The pastor was not there when I preached. I was preaching in his place. And a group of ladies came up to the church afterwards and they said, well, he, he kind of passed, Kevin, he kind of went kind of beyond what he should have been saying there in the pulpit. He said some things that kind of offended us or weren't really scripture or something. And, uh, and so he, and, and my pastor, he listened to them and he brought me in. He says, uh, he says, Kevin, you know, you did a, I listened to your message on tape or whatever, and you did a pretty good job, but really in the end, you, you blew it. He said, you, you blew it. And I was like, and that was one message as a, as a young man that I prayed over and I studied over and I meditated over and, and it was just in my heart and I knew that's what God wanted me to preach. And I preached it. And then afterwards there was the, the group that complained and the pastor not realizing what was going on there, he told me that I blew it and, and after a while I eventually I, I went out from the church and went to another place. But a few years later when my pastor, when the same pastor who was there, Pastor Phil, when he began to preach about holiness in the scriptures and began to teach biblical doctrines and and about election, the same group of ladies were the first ones to rise up and complain against him. 
and want to get him thrown out of the church. And they spread around to others, and there was a number of leaders who had been in the church since it was founded, and it was a young church as well rose up, and, and because Pastor Phil would not back off from preaching the word of God, preaching biblical truth, half or more of the church left. Because they had itching ears. Because the word made them uncomfortable. Because they did not want to live godly lives. To live in sanctification. Paul tells Timothy, preach the word. Be faithful. Because there will be some who will not want to hear what you have to say. And they're going to look for other teachers. They're going to look for other places, other people that will kind of pat them on the back and make them feel good and not make them feel uncomfortable from the word of God. And that's what we have in most of the pulpits today, unfortunately. But Paul tells Timothy, there's no closed seasons on the word of God. Preach it in season and out of season. When it's comfortable and when it's uncomfortable. When they want to hear it and when they don't want to hear it. Preach the word, Timothy. And then Paul gives Timothy a final exhortation. And we're closing. In verse number five, Paul's final exhortation here on this portion of Scripture. Paul says to Timothy, But you, but you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Timothy, be watchful, be alert in all things. We never know when false teaching is going to try to creep in to our lives or in the church. It's one thing I have shared with the, the new young co-pastor who's with me there in our church in Brazil. And I said, we need to be very careful about who we allow into membership here because we always know that the enemy is out there. He's looking for an opportunity to plant one of his soldiers, one of his wolves in sheep's clothing amongst our people. And we have to be on the watch. And Paul said, Timothy, be watchful, be alert in all things. Endure afflictions. There's going to be afflictions that are going to come. There's going to be moments that you're going to have to suffer for the cause of righteousness, for, a cause, for, for the cause of the gospel. But endure afflictions. Don't give up. Don't give up. God delivered me out of all of my persecutions and afflictions and he will deliver you endure inflictions do the work do the work of an evangelist your purpose your focus is to proclaim a biblical gospel your focus your purpose is to evangelize and, and speak Jesus Christ and him crucified and risen again wherever you go Never back off from that. Do the work of an evangelist. And then the last part of verse 5. Fulfill your ministry. 
every one of us has a different ministry. No, Pastor, it's, it's just for the pastors, for the, for the elders, for the leaders of the church. They're, they're the ones who are to do the ministry. No, we all have a, a kind of ministry. Ministry represents serving, serving the Lord with our abilities, with our talents, with our experiences, being obedient to God wherever we are. We're all different. Praise the Lord. We've all had experiences that not everyone has. We've all gone down roads and been in valleys that others have not passed through. God wants us to use all that we have, all that we are, in ministry to other people. As Paul said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. You're not a mistake. Your past was not a mistake. And God can use our past. God can use all that we've been through in ministry to other people. I'm shy. I like to stay hidden. I like to sit down and let others take the lead. That's my preference. But God wants us to use whatever we have for others. It's not about us. It's about him. And Paul told Timothy, fulfill your ministry. Do what God has called you to do. I heard we read the scripture verse that was mentioned here from the pulpit a while ago in Luke 9, 23. Jesus said, uh, uh, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. He doesn't say take up my cross daily because no one can do that. Christ, the cross of Christ was only for him. But he says take up your cross. And your cross can represent something difficult. A lot of people use that, ah, the, the crosses that I have to carry in my life. But the cross represents God's will for our life. We all have a different cross to carry. We all have a different way, a direction that God's going to take us in our lives. And that's the cross we have to carry with us for the good and for the bad. And we all have a different one. Our responsibility is to carry our cross, not by ourselves, but by the grace of God, with his help and with his strength. And Jesus said, uh, follow me. Just follow him. Follow him where? Well, wherever he leads. Wherever he wants you to go. It may stay to stay right where you are. It may be in, in the job where you're at, or in school, follow him. And if you're following him, you'll always go in the right direction. And when we stop following Jesus, that's where we get into trouble. Timothy, fulfill your ministry. Fulfill your ministry until you can say, as the Apostle Paul said in verse 7, I have finished the race. I finished the race. Not in, it's, it's, it's now your turn, Timothy. It's now your time to fulfill your ministry. It is not about the place you finish in the race, first or second or third. It's about how well you run the race. It's about how well you finish when it's all said and done. 
And if you receive the AUG award, what is the AUG award? Approved unto God. And Paul mentioned that in his letter to Timothy in chapter 2, verse 15. He says, be diligent to present yourself approved unto God. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Conclusion. Just a summary of what we've talked about this morning. What are my final words of advice for a successful life and ministry? And that's where we begin. First, follow the lives and examples of godly men and godly women who have faithfully followed Christ. As Paul told Timothy and the others as well, follow my example as I follow Christ. And so follow the examples of godly men and women, many who have gone on before us. Hudson Taylor, Amy Carmichael, David Brainerd, Henry Martin, John Patton, Elizabeth Elliot and her husband Jim, George Mueller, and we could go on and on. Read good biographies of godly men and women who have gone on before us to encourage us, to challenge us, to help us to be faithful to the God that they served as well. Also, it would be good to follow godly men and women today. It's getting harder and harder to find those who are truly following Christ, truly dedicated, sold out to the Lord Jesus Christ. But when you find them, make contact, stay with them, follow their example as they follow the Lord Jesus. Secondly, thing to remember, the worst is yet to come. So don't get discouraged when things get worse. It's part of how things have been going for a long time. Don't worry. Set your mind and your heart on things above. That needs to be our focus every day. There are so many distractions in this life. Every time I come in from Brazil back to the United States, there are so many more gadgets to buy and phones to plug into and you name it. But don't let those things distract you from the main thing, which is Christ first and setting your mind on things above. And we can set our minds on things above as we focus on the word of God as we let God's word penetrate our hearts and minds on a daily basis. My discipleship leader told me in college years ago, and now I understand what he was saying. He says, cheer up, it's going to get worse. Don't worry. God's in control. If we're following him, it's going to be okay. Third thing, and our conclusion here is continue daily in the scriptures, which I already mentioned. Setting our mind on things above has to, deal, has to do with setting our mind on the word of God, allowing the word of God to penetrate our hearts and minds. The psalmist in Psalm 119, I think verse 97, says, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. 
And then fourthly, faithfully and fervently preach the word of God. Men, elders, those who are called to proclaim, preach God's word. Be faithful. Don't cut corners. Don't listen to those who want you to calm down and kind of water it a little bit. Don't give us too much meat. Just give us a little milk every now and then. Be faithful to preach the word of God in season and out of season. And then ladies as well and your opportunities and your responsibilities to teach others. Be faithful. My wife teaches ladies in the class. She teaches there, and she's always studying and trying to prepare to faithfully proclaim the word of God. And the last thing here, be watchful, persevere, fulfill the ministry, do the work that God has called you to do until you can say, as the Apostle Paul, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. That's where we want to end. That's where we want to be. Maybe it'll be tomorrow. Maybe next week. Maybe next year. Maybe many years down the road. We don't know. Now's the time for us to fulfill the ministry, the calling that God has given us to do his will, to do his work. As Jesus told the disciples, as we read earlier in our scripture as well in the reading, asking Jesus where to get his food from, who gave him some food. And Jesus says, my food, my meat is, do, is to do the will of the Father who sent me. That's it. That's why we're here. May God use us where we are, wherever he takes us, to do his will. May God bless you as you seek to be successful in your life and in your ministry, whatever that may be. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this moment that we've had today to share a little of your word with the people. Thank you for allowing us to be reminded of, of Paul's letter to Timothy and of the charges and exhortations he left with Timothy in his final letter to him. May we be challenged and may, may we be encouraged to fulfill the ministry that you have given us. First, to follow faithfully our Lord Jesus Christ every day. And secondly, to serve others and use our gifts and abilities, who we are by your grace, to serve other people. Thank you, Father, for all that you have done in us and through us by our Lord Jesus Christ. And it is in his name I pray. Amen.
Let's all turn to uh, 534 in our hymnals. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, who has made heaven and earth. Amen and amen. We're dismissed.